Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Well, hello and welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have your company wherever you may be listening. My name is Mick Collis and joining me as always is former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to catch up. Yeah, nice to be back again on the Rugby Wrap, Mickey. Uh, what a cracking game the Reds Brumbies were last weekend. And, uh, you know, off the back of that that tight tussle between the Rebels and the Force, mate, we've got plenty to talk about tonight as we preview the next round leading into Super Rugby ARU. And uh, got the big clash between East Tigers and the Gordon Highlanders coming up as well. So our special guest tonight should be able to give us plenty of insights into that. Yeah, excellent. And while we're normally joined by Heath Tessman, he's just sent a text saying that he's still in his stand sport trailer and he refuses to come out until his makeup has been done and we give him a bowl of red M&Ms. So hopefully he'll join us soon. Well, we're approaching the halfway mark of what has been a pretty interesting Super Rugby AU season and to join us as we chat about everything that's uh, going on is former Wallaby, Western Force and Brumbies player Mark Bartholomews. And Barty, thanks for your time in the Rugby Wrap. Good evening, Mick. How are you? Good day, Mitch. Very good. Good Howdy. to see you. Now, mate, before we get into it, let's have a quick chat about you. What are you up to these days? I'm back in Brisbane, uh, working in banking for Bank of Queensland. Uh, I've got four young daughters that keep myself and my wife very, very busy and uh, involved with uh, the East Tigers Rugby Club here in Brisbane at the moment in an um, assistant coaching capacity. Nice. So you'll have plenty to say about the... Uh... The, the club championships game that's, that's coming up and just looking at um, your career, you started at the Brumbies, then headed overseas before landing at the force. What were some of your highlights? Yeah, obviously the Brumbies was a, uh, a great period in my career and my life really. Um, and, and Mitchell will attest to this as well as it was a great group of uh, not only guys and players, but you know, the partners and uh, the families were all a big part of that. Uh, that time that we had in Canberra, um, some special times on the field and, uh, and and certainly off the field as well, some great friendships that we still hold today. Um, heading to Europe was uh, great, uh, a great experience as well. We got to have some time in London, uh, Ireland and also in Italy and they were all fantastic experiences for all for different reasons. And, and, uh, and, and lastly, the, the force, which is where I've, Finished my career was was another great experience, you know, coming back from Europe to to see whether I could still, uh, you know, play Super Rugby after you know a different Northern Hemisphere experience. That that was great as well for uh, for different different reasons. A great great place as as you guys both know, um, and uh, the rugby community in in Perth is um, you know very very strong and um, very supportive. Is that something that surprised you when you did come to the Force? Yeah, look, I think so. I mean, I, I do remember when when it all was set up. I was overseas at that time. I actually got a call um, from Pete O'Mara uh, oh, yeah. in, in, in London asking if I wanted to come back. And, you know, I'd only just got to London. So, um, you know, I'd sort of made my mind up there. But, um, you know, watching from afar with some good friends that had gone, like, you know, the Nathan Sharps of the world and obviously Gitz and those sort of guys went, you know, a year or two later. Uh, it... it um, you know, it looked like a, a great fun environment to be in, but I didn't really know much about the, you know, the rugby community. And when when I got there to Perth, I quickly realised that you know there was a lot of passionate supporters and fans. You know, right through community rugby, you know, 
um, you know, into the professional game. That was, um, you know, surprising, but, um, you know, it was fantastic. You know, some of those experiences playing at NIB Stadium were, uh, you know, you know, hold some good memories. Um, one thing with, with the Western Force, so how can we get players to to hang around? Like, it, it's still, it's, it's getting better. Um, and obviously, when you've got local guys playing, the more local guys, the better because they're going to be around. How can we make it not not be a transitional club? Look, I, th- I think I said this to, you know, some of the, um, the committee uh, when I finished playing. You know, you know, I, I very nearly did stay in Perth. Um, and one of the reasons was, um, you know, they really helped me with my work career in transitioning from professional rugby player into the, to the, you know, at the time of the banking environment. And, you know, they had the ability to do that for, for the players. And I think that can be something, mm. you know, that, you know, should be done. And if they do that and transition players into careers or help them throughout their playing, um, you know, professional playing days with the force whilst they're playing, um, that can really help because it just helps set you up. It's, it's, it's really, really difficult. And I'm sure Mitch will attest that as well. When you finish playing to go from being, you know, you know, at the top of your tree, so to speak, or, or close to it, to starting again in a different career, it's uh, it's difficult. But you know, the force were really, you know, fantastic with me in that regard. And you know, there was a couple of things that happened that made me come back to Brisbane. Um, you know, the main thing being that just a better job opportunity at the time with three young kids and you know, just trying to get going. You know, um, you know, affordability was an issue at, at the time, so getting a better opportunity. You know where we had family and, and and property and that sort of stuff back in Brisbane. You know, it was just probably an easier decision for me at the time, but it was very close to us staying in Perth. Because Mitch, how important do you reckon is that? Yeah, call it an old boys network. If you want, we we have got ex Western Force players around the club and just around around Perth in general. Yeah, well, I think I think um, the Western Force has tried pretty hard to to set up some sort of old boys network through the old golds and uh, the Future Force Foundation. And, and I think those guys still have a lot to offer. But it's about building those relationships. Those players, they've got to have a mechanism to build those relationships while they're here. So a guy like Barty, um, even though he's probably at the twilight of his career when he joined the force, let's just call it Twilight Barty, um, <laughs> is, is well, you know, Dar- the importance... Dar- Dar- told me that, you know, the fins were hitting the sand and I think he was probably right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... The, the importance of building those relationships off the field is really important and, and you've got to have people that connect you and that's where club rugby can play a really important role. Um, you know, from my recollection, Barty, you were linked with the Cottesloe Club while you're here, so they've got a really strong network and business network attached to the club. Um, there's the Old Golds Network, which is made up of guys like Jeff Stook. Uh, Peter Bailey runs the Old Golds uh, group there and they have regular lunches. Uh, where they get all the old guys together. And there's, there's a broad network there. It's just a matter of doing the introductions and, and the players getting to know those guys. So the, the more they connect with the community part of the game is the more career, post-career, sort of, you know, the longitudinal stuff for life will be created. So it's not just about um, the, you know, the ex-Western Force players hanging around. It's building those relationships while they're playing for the club to then to be able to use those later on if, if, and you know, Perth's a great place to live. It's a great place to bring up kids, as we as we all attest to. Um, it's about making sure there's some career opportunities as well. Um, whereas, you know, guys that have come out of the East Coast system tend to migrate back there because they've got those networks through the early days, 
that they've probably come through the ranks. They've probably got family still over there. Um, and plus, you know, depending on what they want to do career-wise, there's probably a bit more diversification in the type of career that, that guys want to pursue as well. So I think it's a mix of all those things, and, they, and they've got to just make sure that it's, it's a spinning plate effect. You're constantly, you know, doing different things to make sure you're, you're providing those opportunities. And what about the lengths of contracts? Like I think Isaac Rodder is now uh, officially signed, but I think it's it's a one-year thing. Do they, you know, one year sort of, should they be having, you know, a, a minimum of three or, or is that unrealistic? Oh, I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't know what you think, Barty, but I, I think I think it's nothing wrong with getting and going on for a year because hopefully he comes for a year and stays for five, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but it's about, how you get that structure right across your roster. So mm. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, Barty, on that. Oh, I think, I think like always, you know, the, you've got to get the, the needs of the organisation right first. That's the first thing. Um, and, and then try and match it with the players, you know, uh, requirements as well, um, which is obviously a role you, you fulfilled there for a lot of years, Mitch, trying to, trying to make those decisions. But, you know, you know that, that might be, a choice by Isaac Rodder to sign for one year as well as, mm-hmm. as the force, you know, force might've wanted to, you know, sign him for longer. Um, so, you know, we, we probably don't know the ins and outs of those sort of um, negotiations. And just, you're obviously, you're a fully capped Wallaby Barty, but I was doing a bit of research on you this afternoon and on the Wikipedia, which is always true. It said you were the, you've got the fourth shortest um, international career. What, what was the background behind that? Yeah, it's probably, you know, it's something that, you know, you meet someone and they, they Google you or something like that and they, you know, they hang a bit of shit on you or whatever. Um, there's actually a bit of a story behind it. We were, it was the last game of the tour in Italy um, and I'd actually uh, hurt my hamstring on the Tuesday at training. So I couldn't train all week, but I was, I was, you know, picked in the 22. There were no other backs available. You know, it was basically... Eddie to go with me at 80% fit or Nick Styles as a back reserve. So he went with me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, uh, you know, I managed to get through the captain's run, but effectively Eddie knew that I wasn't 100% fit. So he didn't, you know, probably want to put me on the field. Now, fortunately for me, one of my good mates, Sterling Mortlock, was fullback uh, in, in the, at the time and he wanted to get me capped. So he kept going down with cramps and he kept doing it for the last 10 or 15 minutes. And then finally... Eddie, you know, put me on the field at the end. So that's the reason the, the time on the field was so short. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a great story. But, mate, congratulations. What cap number? Uh, 781. What were you, Mitch? 735. So yeah. not, not a big, not not a big gap off. there. Not yeah, far yeah. off. Mate, yeah. it's good. Now, buddy, looking at Super Rugby AU, um, on our Facebook page we've put up for people to put their three favourite things from Super Rugby AU. What are yours? from this year? Oh, look, I think... The, are you talking about the, the rules or just in general? Just in general. You know, just what do you general. like about it? Oh, look, I think... I, I, you know, have you, you watched any... First of all, buddy, have you watched <laughs> any games? <laughs> yeah, I, I watched, uh, you know, obviously uh, the old team last week, the Brumbies against the Reds. I thought that was a fantastic advert for the game. Um, I thought, that you know, clearly the two best squads and teams at the moment and you know um, doused with lots of very talented young players but also a good mix of experience so yeah, that was a really good advert I thought for rugby. Uh, I do like some of the rule changes. I, I like the fact that um, 
if someone gets red carded, uh, you know, you effectively lose a player for 20 minutes and they yeah. can bring someone on. I think that's a great um, change to the game. I think I'd love to see that brought in, you know, permanently because too often we see a game wrecked through a red card and, and a player, you know, you know, you know, team being down for the rest of the game. And there's effectively, you know, if it's sort of 40 or 50 minutes, there's very little chance of that team winning the game then and, and it being a fair contest. Uh, I quite like the line dropouts. I think that um, that speeds up the game a bit and makes it a little bit interesting depending on what state of the game, whether they're going to kick short or long. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're some of the, the things that I've enjoyed about, um, you know, watching it this year. And, Mitch, have you put your three up? Have I put my three up? Yeah. No, I haven't, Mick. Um, what, I li- what I like about Super Rugby AU this year is I like the way that Stan's making an effort to yep. make the game interesting again and connect with the community. I think that was good. Um, I think they're, you know, it's good to be able to watch, you know, so the rivalry start to emerge between the Reds and the Brumbies and, and those sort of games on the weekend sort of gives you that element of faith that the game's still mm. at its core and essence something that's worth watching. Um, I'm not sure I got the same sense from the Rebels um, force game from Friday night, but that's that's fine. Everyone's each, each to their own. Um, I like the idea that we're seeing um, the old guard and the new guard working together. So I like the idea of young players you know, sort of merging with the old. I like that sort of concept about um, guys that are they're probably long-standing Wallabies playing alongside younger blokes and also the, the international flavour that it brings. I kind of like that. Would I go and watch a whole heap of Argentinians play in a franchise? Probably not, but I do like the blended version of that if it means to a better quality on the on the paddock. Yeah, righto. And my three is um, Kobus Elof, the big front <laughs> row from, from the Rebels. I reckon. Well, there's that international flavour. There you go. Yeah, yep. he's I think got the potential to be a real cult hero after his, especially after his little chip and chase restart last week. Uh, Queensland Reds. I, I sent a tweet out last year during the test series saying that the Reds will, I'm going to dig it up saying that the Reds will win Super Rugby and um, and they're, they're looking pretty good. And I haven't jinxed them. No, so do I. And then obviously the Western Force being back in Super Rugby and so the, the Sea of Blue and the fans in Perth getting to watch um, Super Rugby back in Perth, they've been They've been my three so far, but it's we're only halfway through, so I'm sure there'll be some more things that will um, will slot in. And looking at last week, we just did touch on it: Western Force up against the Rebels, five 0 at half time, uh, but in the end, the Rebels winning ten seven. So, Mitch, your thoughts on that one? Oh, look, you know the Force again showed glim- glimpses that you know they they can provide a uh, a good quality team on the paddock. I thought um, it's what surprised me was the Rebels came out and played a different type of game to what we'd seen the previous weeks. It's almost like they'd read the press about taking too many shots mm. and goals and, and started running the ball, and it was working against them. And I'm sitting there going, why isn't Tamil shaking shots of goal tonight? This is the per- Like, he could have had yeah. six shots of goal in the first opening minutes. But, again, we're finding a lot of penalties inside the opposition 22 there, and I think that's an area that we can improve this spectacle by being a bit harsher earlier on teams, um, you know, giving away those soft penalties inside their 22s. And I think that that would have helped things along on um, Friday night. But, you know, I, I still think the forces attacked is a little bit one-dimensional and that showed in the scoreline at the end of the day. Even even playing against 14 men mm. in uh, the stages of that game, that they really could have had a win. They didn't capitalise on that that extra man. 
Um, and in the end, the, the Rebels, you know, got away with the win, which they probably deserves after two close losses in a row. So um, I think the, the better team won on the night, but, um, you know, where to from here? I think those both those teams need to work on their attacking capability because mm. there was a very similar number of missed tackles in that game to the Reds-Brumbies game, yet the Reds-Brumbies game, nine tries. Yeah. That game the other night, um, we yeah. had three. Because, so. yeah, um, I mean, you, you certainly you can't fault the effort of the Western Force players, but mate, their their execution was woeful. Like we had penalty uh, penalty kicks for touch not going out. Um, that one that went dead just takes all the momentum out of them. Same thing that they, they weren't taking points; they kept going for their line out, but their line out was atrocious. So I they, think both teams' line outs were pretty ordinary on on the weekend, and there's no excuses for that. It was pretty good conditions to play rugby. Oh, perfect conditions. So, yeah. so what do you do if you, if your team like the Force? We was it because they weren't confident? In their kicker, do you think that's why they were like they had no win? They, they had to kick it out, and they didn't know they were going to win their line out. They couldn't have a shot at goal because they didn't think they could kick the goal. I don't know. I'd probably bring Barty in here. I mean, Barty, it's about being decisive, isn't it? And just having that that decisiveness in your group. That if if we get a penalty here, this is what we're doing. Do you think there was that indecision creeping in? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, um, Timmy Sampson's a far better coach than I am, um, but I, I think you're right. You got to you got to have, you know. Uh, 15 blokes or, or the whole squad that know exactly what you're going to do in different parts of the field. So, if, you know, if that is that you're going to take the points, then you take the points. If that's, you know, that your line out and, and your mall game is going well, well, then you kick to the corner and, and you do that like the Brumbies do. Um, so I guess it's just understanding your strengths and, and, and playing to that game plan. I think, um, but just touching on that, I think, you know, that's probably what you're seeing a little bit with the force. So this year, the squad is vastly different. Correct me if I'm wrong from last year and, you, and you're just seeing some combinations started to be worked on. Um, I think Mitch, you, you touched on, you know, um, the attack and, and that, you know, just not gelling, Well, you've probably got a new nine, you've got a new 10 at the moment that are just probably starting to work out how to play together. And that maybe is taking a little bit longer than, you know, what Timmy probably would, would hope, but, but it'll happen. You know, the, I think part of that is making sure you stick with your selections. If you think that's generally your best, your best team, then you've got to be consistent with selections. And the more they play together, you know, the more it'll come together. Um, I did uh, did grow up with Timmy here in Brisbane. We've known each other since a, sort of seven or eight years old, played at the same junior club. Um, he's a he's a really good uh, coach. He's well-credentialed, done a lot, you know, in Canberra. And, uh, you know, it's great to see him get an opportunity in, in, in a place like Perth where, uh, you know, clearly the crowd's getting behind the team again with two sold out games yeah i mean they scored one one nice try uh, sort of against the run of play from from memory but just that ability to to break a line from from a set player in after a couple of phases it's something that's been missing for all their games this year and as we saw you know it really hurt them last week i don't know how yeah, they pro- how do they get over that what do they do well probably the biggest difference i'm noticing at the moment when i'm watching the games from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, all on stand, which is really good. Um, the, the the capacity to offload in the tackle is far greater. I mean, you look at uh, a couple of games in New Zealand on the weekend. I mean, the, the amount of offloads in the first few minutes of the the Highlanders game was phenomenal. It was just frantic. Like, it was just up and down, the ball going everywhere. Whereas the Australian teams, I think their capacity to offload in the tackle and, and to be able to, 
have that sort of uh, game awareness to be able to get those passes away is really limited. Like, if you look at the stats from the Force Rebels game, there was only nine offloads from the Force and eight from the Rebels wow. in the whole game. They would have mm. done that in the first five minutes of the Kiwi game on the weekend, those mm. offloads. There would have been more than 15 offloads in the opening minutes of that, that clash. So I think when you get those offloads, it really picks up the pace and you get those little mini line breaks starting to turn into big line breaks and the game really opens up because you get in behind the opposition. So so, so I'd like to I'd like to see the Aussie teams, um, you know, looking for those offloads a bit more and really developing that part of our game because I think we're just a little bit behind in it. We're very combative mm. at the moment. We're very physical. Our games are really physical, and there's a lot of body contact going on. But we're just not good at that soft skill and the ball handling side of things, Barty. And and as a coach, do you think that's a skill that we can really work on in, in Australian rugby? That that offload soft hand skill. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the places I actually really noticed that was in Perth when we were playing club rugby in Perth and you noticed, um, you know, the locals um, and then you noticed, say, a, a South African or a Kiwi. And I think the, the analogy that or, or the thought that I had behind that was that they've just been really well coached from a really young age. And I think you see that with the New Zealand teams, the basic skill acquisition is outstanding, you know, numbers one, two, three, four, and five can all catch and pass really, really well under pressure. And then, you know, if you can do that, then they can extend those skills to things like offloading in contact when they get the calls, you know, from their supporting um, players that are, you know, actually in the right position. Because are we more are we more concerned about holding on to possession? Is that so that that's our main concern. We don't want to give it away. So they just do this this one out. They don't look to offload. They'd rather secure it and go again. Is it a mentality thing more than yeah, a skill I, thing? I think there's, there's. I think there's probably. Yeah, I think there's probably a bit of fear factor about you know tight forwards, for instance, offloading in the contact and making a mistake, and then you know turning the ball over and you know having to defend for a long period of time on the back of that. Whereas you know the Kiwis. As I said, I just think their skill acquisition from a young age allows them to develop, you know, their skills even further when they get to this next level of elite professional rugby. They have the confidence to do it and they do it week in, week out. And, you, you know, you rarely see mistakes when they do it. Mm. Yeah, it's good to watch. Um, and the match of the round last week, Larissa uh, publicises the match of the round was Queensland versus the Brumbies, 40 to 38. Buddy, you, you did mention it. So your overall thoughts on that game, it was a cracker. Oh, I thought it was outstanding. I mean, I think the thing for me, uh, that penalty just before halftime that the Reds kicked, you know, I think it was, uh, it put them back within eight and really they had no right to be within eight when the when the Brumbies were out to a 17-0 yeah. lead. They were in complete control of the game and the Reds just sort of hung in there and they got within eight, went to the sheds. You know, the tide turned in the second half when the Brumbies lost, you know, the, both of their front rowers and their captain, um, you know, I said this to someone the other day, I think they probably would have been better off losing their nine and 10 rather than, the, you know, the two front rowers because, you know, um, you know, that's when your depth gets tested when you get to your sort of fifth and sixth choice. And, um, you know, the Reds turned the screws. Taniela Tupo came on, you know, had a big impact. And again, they just chipped away, got within striking distance. And then, um, you know, fair play to James O'Connor. Um, he really, I thought, you know, was really calm and influential in that game, you know, pulled the right reins at the right time. Uh, that was a pretty, pretty um, ballsy play. The last one, was, you know, at Jordan Pateas. 
scored, you know, to kick the ball in that position and come up with the try. Um, yeah, you know, full credit to the Reds. Mitch and I disappointed for sure, but, uh, <laughs> you know, well, well done to the Reds. So there's always a lot of talk about rugby. We've got to change the rules and, you know, we've got to do things differently. But, but looking at a game like that, is the game itself okay? Like, do we see too many bad games? That's why we want to tinker with it. Yeah, I think I think your your best game of rugby, in my view, is miles better than your best game of rugby league. But your worst game of rugby is miles worse than your mm. your worst game of rugby league, and that's the problem. There's too many games that you know uh, don't reach those sort of heights. If we can get more games that are like that, and you know, at different times, different periods, there's been rugby played like that, you know, quite regularly, and mm. you know. There's been big crowds and um, you know, really great support for the game. So, how do we how do we get more games like that? That's the golden question, that is. isn't it? Um, but, but, I, uh, but I think we will, buddy. I think we will over time because you know you look at that Reds Brumbies game. It was a really good spectacle. It had a bit of buzz to it. Um, you know, again, Mick, we'll go back to the jersey side of things. You know, the Brumbies wearing the the yellow jersey, could that have had a factor? Yep. Benny Darwin will t- say yes because yep. the, the stats tell you, tell us the story that you change the colour of the jersey, you're more than likely to lose and so be it. Um, <laughs> but but I think but the composure of the Reds was really, really good. And then, as Barty said, um, the, the depth of the Brumbies was tested. Um, so that that was the really interesting parts of that night. But but both teams really, you know, they, they just put on a good display and, and I think that's something that we can then promote and take forward to the, you know, the ensuing weeks of this competition that, you know, that is the sort of stuff that we can dish up and we should be proud of that. And the teams that are putting on those displays should be recognised for it. And Barty, plenty of positive talk about James O'Connor at the moment. You liking what you're seeing out of him? Oh, I just thought, you know, I talked before about, um, and so did Mitch about the, the blend of youth and experience and, you know, Queensland's a really good example of that. And I think he's holding that together. He's really, you know, guiding those young, young, talented players um, who you know, probably haven't been in those situations that often. Um, he's guiding them around. He's really, you know, composed and making the right decisions and, um, you know, showing a lot of maturity, really. What about Vunavalu, Barty? Now, we don't, we don't get too, we don't get too harsh on players on this show, but, but, um, Vunavalu for mine was a little bit overrated for his performance that he dished out there. I mean, he scored a nice try, but you know, I was obviously really well set up by um, James O'Connor that one. Do you think he's got a long way to go as far as his game sense? Well, I think so. I think it's just showed that he, you know, hasn't played rugby for a long time, and um, there is a huge amount of difference between league and union in, in that position, really. Um, so it's just going to take him a bit of time. You know, we probably yeah. saw it with Corabetti a little bit as well. You know, when he first came across, he wasn't, you know, the, the player lighting lighting up the stage, you know, straight away either. Um, so I think we've probably just got to be a little bit patient. And, um, you know, the, the Reds are going to have to work out how they inject him into the game um, whilst he's learning the game so that he can add value. So, yeah, so should, should, sorry, Mitch. So, should we be should we be playing paying such big money to teach guys how to play rugby? <laughs> Which is basically what they're doing with him. 
what do you reckon, Barty? Do you think the X factor is worth the value versus the knowledge and what he can deliver? Or do you think it's about bums on seats and because people, he's a well-known name, people will go watch him play. The kids will say, oh, there's there's Bunavalu. I've watched him play for the Storm, so I'm going to go watch him play for the Reds. Do you think there's there's a value on that as well as the the X factor that potentially he could be a Lottie Dakiri or uh, Israel Falau? Oh, yeah, I think I think there is. You know, you look back the days, they got Wendell Saylor, you know, Yes, it was to do with talent and ability to, um, you know, put the ball over the stripe, but there was also a, a reasonable marketing um, decision behind that as well to put bums on seats. So, you know, there's probably a bit of that with with Bunavalu. Um, I think, you know, in answer, do we pay too much for these guys? If you talk to the rugby league guys, they will tell you categorically that no one pays over X amount for a winger, you know, in rugby league. So, you know, sometimes rugby goes and pays over X amount for mm-hmm. a rugby league winger and, and we break their golden rule, basically, because, you know, they're not you know, in a decision-making position. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, and then looking ahead to this week, on Friday night, the Rebels return home for the first time in 377 days when they take on the Waratahs. The motions, motions will be pretty high for the Rebels. Can they win two in a row? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, you know, the Waratahs have had a tough season, haven't they? And um, yeah, judging judging by some of the injury problems they've had, it's it's not going to get easy for them. Uh, the Rebels will be pumped up to be back at home um, for the first time in over a year, Mick. So I'd expect the Rebels to win two in a row there for sure. Yeah, I think so too, Mickey. I, I think the Rebels um, would have been... Very grateful for the win last weekend after two narrow losses, and I think they'd be really happy to sleep in their own beds and and just be able to play in front of their own home crowd. Um, They're reasonably consistent teams that both teams have been able to put out for this week, but I think, you know, the the wind is well and truly out of the Waratah sails, so it's about uh, the Rebels really showing that they are the third best team in the comp by getting a win against the Tars. Because the Western Force, they seem to play other teams into form. We saw the Waratahs were terrible, but almost stole the win against the Force. And then we had the, uh, the Rebels hadn't won a game, come across and play against the Force and win. So I, I, I think that I think it'll be a bit closer than um, than form would suggest. Oh, I think it'll definitely be a close game. But but I think Tamua for mine is 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 everything Rebels at the moment. Between him, Corabetti. And they've got some good young forwards like Jose and, and Cummins in at the locks for the Rebels are going really well. Dickie Hardwick versus Carlo in the back row should yeah, be spectacular. Yeah. They'll bash the crap out of each other, yeah. which should be really good to see. And um, But for me, you know, you've got Tepai Maroa there at 12 for the Tars with Newsom in the centres. I think that's that's okay. disaster. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just not sure that's going to work for the Tars in the midfield, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. My Tars cap arrived today, my membership pack, so maybe I'll I'll stick the Tars cap on on Friday night, mate, and uh, give them a bit of support. <laughs> and and the that two is, that is sacrilege. Mitch. What are you doing? Mate, they, the Warriors they, for? They keep sending me this stuff every year, so it's all right. It's okay. I went for my Brumbies one. He keeps trying to send it back. And interesting, just the the two um, UWA flankers, Carlo and Dickie, up against each other on the weekend, which would be which would be great. And uh, Ross had it petty out for three weeks as a result of his high hit um, last week. And a, a name on the bench that I saw for the Waratahs, one Sam Wikes. Is it the oh, same? Is, is it the same Sam yeah. Wikes? 
It is. I did see. I did see some footage of him a few weeks back. So it is the same. Sam Wikes that we know and love from our uh, our days and because how old's Wikes he? Force. He's been over. He's been overseas, obviously playing. How old would he be? He'd oh, have to be the wrong yeah. side of thirty, Mitch, wouldn't he? Yeah, easy. Yep. No, I coached him when he was fifteen. I reckon before <laughs> I left Sydney. So yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon he'd be getting in sort of that mid thirties, low thirties. I reckon easy. Wow. So okay. So it would is he uh, obviously you know been a great player. Is that a good pickup for the Waratahs, or would they have been better off bringing, you know, a club, a guy who's been around club rugby for a couple of years, bring him into the experience? I won't let you answer that, buddy. He's your, he's your mate. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I wouldn't class Wikes as an impact player off the bench, though. I mean, I think he's got something to offer. He's played in different teams around the place. He's got good knowledge, and what he does bring, he's good for a team environment. Wikes, he, he's he um. He does work really well with with in a team environment, but whether or not he can have an impact off the bench, um, you know, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. All right. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think those, they, yeah, I just think those sort of decisions depend on the balance of your squad and you know what you've got in the second row. Have you got enough experience, or do you need someone who can maybe help some of the younger guys with calling structures and you know, some of the finer points of, you know, the second row um, position, um, you know, maybe that's, that's, that's no doubt why they've got Wikesy there to, to add some of that experience yeah. in the second well, row. It was great for the four, so it will be good to see him running around again. And then the big game on Saturday night on Channel 9, the TV game. So hairdressers around Perth have been busy this week with everyone getting their hair done. Um, up against the Reds Saturday night. So the Western Force team, Tom Robertson, Fleddy Kite to Greg Holmes, plays his 150th Super Rugby match. Uh, Jeremy Thrush, Sidlecki, Tamani in the second row. Fergus Lee Warner, Kane Koteka and Brian Stander in the back row. Cabelli and McIntyre, the 9-10 combination again. Richard Kahui, Henry Tafo in this week. Tavita Kuradrani, Byron Ralston and Rob Kearney. And then on the bench, Jack Winchester, uh, at hooker, Agnes Wanger, Wagner, Santiago, Madrano, Ryan McCauley, Tim Anstey back from injury, Ian Pryor, Jack McGregor and Marcel Braki. Um, Mitch, do you, again, sort of consistency for the force, which is a good thing? Yeah, but am I reading this right, that Richard Kahui is on the wing? Uh, looks like it, yeah. That's where he's been named. What the hell? Number what, 11. That's... No, they're, they're playing silly buggers of force. There's mind games going on there, I reckon. So do you think um, that's – is that a um, – will that be not accurate? Do you think that'll shuffle around? That'll yeah, be the 15, but they but might that, – Yeah, I reckon that, that'll shuffle around. And and to, to, for mine, if Tim Anstey was fit, I would have put him straight back in the starting 15 um, because he's just – he's going to have to bring that pace to the pack. You don't want a slow pack against the Reds. I mean um, – They've got a pretty consistent 15 as well, Mickey, and um, some pretty good attacking power. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to have a slow pack, and that one, as it reads at the moment, has probably needs a bit of injection. And Anstey could be the man that does that. But yeah, the backs, the backs. Uh, Henry Tafu is a good quality player, so if they are going to stay him at 12, that's nothing wrong with that. Um, but again, uh, the Ralston and needs to get a little bit more involved. Um, Stander Kateka will be combative. The breakdown, Fergus Lee Warner's always been good. Sileki Tamani getting a first start. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, old Holmesy against his his old Reds outfit, Barty. He'll be motivated to um, to fire the boys up and maybe get a bit fire in the belly, a bit of push and shove early, a bit of bit of lip. Oh well, you know, I think firstly, 150 Super Rugby games is a huge achievement, isn't it? So yeah. you know, congratulations to him. Um, I think what would be interesting to see will be the approach that the force take. You know, we talked before about you know their attack. You know, just not hitting that rhythm. I'm seeing with with teams that Timmy's coached before, they play a, they can play a really high ball movement game, a lot of passing and interplay between backs and forwards. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether whether that's the approach that they go with against the red side and say, right, the only way we're going to do this is if we go all out attack, or um, whether you know. And I guess you guys aren't over here. It's absolutely buckling down at the moment. Has been for days. So you know that could be another factor too in terms of the way that he wants to play. Yeah, slippery conditions, and that's where James O'Connor will have to be on his kicking game there, buddy. Um, but what, what the Reds have been able to do this year, and you might be able to provide some commentary on that, their depth seems to be really good this year. And, and like even a guy like um, Saru Uru, who you know pretty pretty well through the East Club there, like his impact off the bench last week was fantastic. Um, and he's so versatile. So the Reds have really built that, that depth in their squad now, haven't they? Yeah, indeed. You know, Saru comes on the field for, I think, four or five minutes and, you know, pick and go. He makes a 40-metre break and, you know, the Reds end up down there and score and, and win the game. So, and he's a bloke who didn't play a game of super rugby for the Reds last year. Um, so, you know, it shows that, you know, they're doing all the right things. All these younger players and, and players that are coming through the club system are now showing their value when they get the opportunity. There's another guy uh, Richie Asiata, who, who plays for East as well, um, who's, you know, at the moment he's out of the squad. Um, but, you know, he he played his first game for the Reds, I think, in round one off the bench as well and, and did well. So, you know, they've got – when you've got guys pushing people for positions, it's a really good problem to have and it shows the, the depth and strength of the squad, which the Reds have got at the moment. So if you're going to pick a score, which you're going to, what what, what would your score be? Oh, look, I think Timmy, Timmy's going to be disappointed with me. But, uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'll say the Reds, 31, uh, the Force, 19. 19, okay. A couple of tries to the Force. Mitch? Yeah, I reckon it probably won't be as high scoring as we think because of those um, wet conditions um, that they're likely to face, Mickey. So I'll, I'll go for a bit of a narrow, narrow margin, maybe a 23 to 11 type scoreline. I think the Force will probably get one try and a couple of penalty goals and I think the Reds will just do enough to, to win comfortably but but not feel challenged. Yeah, righto. All right. And the other game, which is probably the main game on the weekend, is the, the afternoon game on the Saturday. Gordon up against Easts. Club so championship, buddy. The, the club big, championship. The big one. Yeah, look, I think it's a great occasion and, and one that the club's very much looking forward to. Yeah, it was a fantastic season for the Tigers last year. Um, short season, one round. Um, but, uh, you know, a um, momentous year, I guess, because we the club actually won six grades. So we managed to uh, to get in six grand finals, which was first grade, second grade, third grade, fifth grade and Colts four. And uh, the grand final weekend went over Saturday and Sunday. So... You know, Saturday or Thursday night, it started with Colts four and they, they 
they snuck a win the hadn't beaten uni all year and then it just went from there um you know fifth grade and four and uh and third grade one on the saturday and then uh the women won and then second grade won you know the next day on on, on sunday and so we're all in the warm-up getting very nervous because we've won five <laughs> out of five and then and then we were next to play so um we were just going geez we better play well we better win and and, and the boys uh played outstanding rugby on the day because uni had actually beaten us in the major semi and they'd beaten us pretty convincingly um, but the, the boys learned their lessons um, from that defeat and um, played some outstanding rugby on the day. And um, Mick, you'd, you know, as an old forward, you'd be delighted to hear that it was a scrum fest in the second half and the, <laughs> and the, the boys just absolutely gave it to them in the scrums. Um, you know, completely dominated, you know, penalty try under the post. Um, you know, the forward pack were outstanding, but but the backs did their job as well. They, I think they scored three hundred five tries and, and took their took their chances. But you now the forwards just absolutely dominated right throughout the eighty minutes. And do the players like the concept of playing that club championship to start the season? Yeah, they do. They do. It's it's something. It's something that they've been talking about all season. Um, you know, I think uh, anyone who's played in Sydney. Um, you know, probably feels that, you know, has this notion that Sydney club rugby is better than the Queensland club rugby. So that's a, that's a really good piece of rivalry going into the game. Um, I'm expecting Gordon to be a fantastic opposition and, and no doubt they'll come up with a bit of swagger for sure. But, um, you know, we're playing at home at Bottomley Park and uh, expect plenty of locals to get down and support the team and, um, you know, I hope the hope the rain stays away, and it's a it's a good spectacle for um, for everyone. But the club's really really excited about it for sure. And Barty, have you been able to convince Benny Moen to to come quickly out of retirement for cameo <laughs> for the club championship game? Benny was uh, he was actually very keen to play, but he's the forwards coach of the Australian Under Twenties team, and they're in camp on the Gold Coast this week, and they don't finish the camp till Sunday. So. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's just not possible for Benny to play in that game. He would have loved, dearly have loved to. Um, he was a huge part of the success last year. Did, did a lot for um, you know, all of those younger players coming through. Was just such a fantastic leader and, you know, really integrated with every single player in the club, um, whether they be, you know, first grade, sixth grade, Colts one, Colts four. He was, he was terrific. And uh, you'd love to see more ex-professional players doing, you know, things like that for their club because it, it uh, gave club rugby and certainly the East Club, but, you know, a huge lift. I think that under-20s itinerary was designed by someone from Gordon. <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, you know, without making too many excuses for the Highlanders, Mickey, they have lost their coach in the off-season. Oh, here we go. Probably <laughs> half, their, half their players have all got contracts with Major League Rugby as well. Um, <laughs> but how important is it, Barty, for players like yourself and, and Moses Rolini to, to be able to reconnect with club rugby and, and be able to provide that, that experience and coaching opportunity for not only you as former players, but also to be able to connect back with the grassroots and do that work with those, those young up-and-coming players? How important that is is, is that to rugby now? Yeah, I think firstly, it's um, it's something that you want to do because, you know, rugby's been really, really good to me and my family. It's provided a lot of opportunity to, to you know, 
not only earn a, earn a good living, but meet lots of fantastic people, live in wonderful places, you know. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, as we talked about before, it's, it's helped me with my career after rugby, uh, yeah, my, my, my working career as well. So, you know, to be able to give something back to grassroots rugby is, is um, you know, special and it's something that I feel I, you know, should do. So um, it's, it's also a lot of fun, you know, great bunch of blokes down at the club who, you know, it's all the good things that you love about club rugby. They turn up, they train hard, they have fun, and they enjoy themselves after the game. You know, that to me is epitomises what club rugby is all about. Um, and that's why I, you know, really enjoyed it last year and you know, I'm back again this year. Is that game being televised anywhere? Is it on is stand? It is. It is on? on stand. It is on stand, Mick. They've, they're going to be televising it on stand, which is fantastic. That's and obviously, um, you know, there's going to be some interested people around. Everyone who follows the Shoot Shield will probably be interested to see how yeah. Gordon backs up and it's a bit of a, a prelude to what their season may look like um, and of course it's a really good uh, curtain raiser if you like to the Reds force game later yeah. that that later that night at Suncorp so um, yeah I'm I'm going to be there Barty I'll be I reckon I'll arrive just in time for half time mate so um, I'll be able to help right? you in his yeah, tartan yeah. jacket so I'm going to wear my well, stag, yeah. stagnation t-shirt and my <laughs> Saturday is rugby day cap and uh, I'll oh, not, not your Waratahs cap. No, I'll wear my Saturday's rugby day cap, mate. And uh, I'll probably heckle your tea runner. <laughs> well, it, it might be your son. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he actually made his coaching debut last weekend. He coached our uh, the East second grade team to to a, a good good win in the trial against North. So uh, he's one from one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, buddy, I'm not even going to ask you who you think is going to win that match. So um, we will let you go. So it's been terrific catching up and it's been great to have you on the Rugby Wrap. Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Mitch. Um, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Good luck mate. on the weekend and enjoy the season. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. So that was Mark Bartholomew, the former Wallaby and the assistant coach of East Team, gearing up for their big clash on Saturday. So, to the mailbag, and uh, I heard a rumour, Mitch, during the week, which I think you will like, that the Waratahs are wanting to introduce a system whereby if you play less than 30 minutes of a super rugby match, you can play for your club. Beautiful. Happy days. Why not? How, how good's that? Yep. Throw it out there. You know, I mean, as we said before, the more these guys connect now with their clubs, the more that they'll get the uh, the rugby public back on board, regardless of performances, you know, they need to re-engage re with their community, make sure they're well-connected. Um, you know, they've got some young blokes in that squad that have all come through their club system in one way, shape or another. So they just got to, to re-engage and that's a great way of doing it and and really showcase the Shoot Shield competition as well. Mm. And I think it's something that all the, all the Super Rugby franchises or clubs should embrace. If that comes off... Uh, I believe Rupa uh, have sort of agreed with it and signed off on it. So I think it'd be a great thing across the board. If you only play less than 30 minutes, you can play for your club. It'd be great. I, I still can't believe they needed Rupa's permission for that. Well, I'm pretty sure that was it. I think that was part of the rumour I heard. I could, be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And the Tars have come out saying they're going on a spending spree for next year because they haven't spent uh, all their money. They've screwed away a little bit over the COVID season. So if you had some money to spend on the Waratahs, are there any key positions you'd be looking to dump some money to, to try and get some players to, to shore up that team, help well, some of these I young saw, guys? I think I saw a list provided on our – it might have been on our rugby wrap feed not that long ago, Mick. There was some 153 overseas Australian players. 
worm uh, somewhere out there. And so that that provides a pretty broad shopping list, doesn't it, for the yeah. Tars to, to maybe cherry pick a few blokes. I mean, you've got the Australian contingent that is uh, playing in Japan at the moment, Major League Rugby. You never know what little pieces of gold might come out of the Major League Rugby competition where a few Australians have gone that way. But, you know, I think you've also got to have – it's one thing to come out and say, oh, we're going to go on a spending spree, but another one when an Isaac Rodder comes out and says, well, actually, no thanks, boys. You can't pay me enough money to yeah. come to you. I'll go somewhere else. But, um, but so they've got to make their program attractive as well. And I think what we're finding now is, is a lot of people are starting to get behind Rob Penny a bit, um, which is great. Yeah, and you've got Chris Whitaker there, who's who's Mr. Waratah. I mean, yeah. he he is the best bloke, and he's just good knowledge of the game, good rugby brain, and has got a lot to offer. Matty Cobain the same. So you know, I think what they've got to do is just tidy up their engagement part, and I think just make their program a little bit more attractive to um, bringing a few of those, you know, New South Wales born and bred players back into the system potentially. Mm. And St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday and the Western Force fullback and ex-Irish international Rob Kearney was down at the Irish club in Subiaco, shaking hands, kissing babies. Great bit of marketing. The Irish love him and they love that place. That was, a, I reckon, well done to the Western Force for teeing that one up. Yeah, absolutely. And the Perth Irish Rugby Club is uh, one of our clubs here in WA and, and they're a real community club. Um, and they would... They would love to have Rob involved with their club across the season, I'm sure. And it's not just about St. Patrick's Day, but there's plenty of uh, Irish men and women around the, the place here in Perth and they all love their rugby. So good to be have that. Uh, good to be able to have that community connection. And the more we, we can do that with players like Rob, uh, the better off we'll be. How much would they love if, if he turned up and had a game with them with Perth oh, Irish? Happy with that. <laughs> I mean, just to come out off the bench in fourth grade in the community grade. Like Michardi like used to do for Udi. Yeah. Yeah, why not? It'll be terrific. And I believe Mark McGowan was down there as well. So it was a, it was a big day down at the Irish Club. Oh, geez, he's moving and shaking. Yeah, absolutely. Shaking hands with Rob Kearney. He wanted to come down and meet Rob, apparently. Um, and last week, last week's guest, Dane Hartlett-Petty, an article came out today. Um, so five months on, he's still no date for a turn uh, from his concussion. Which is, um, which is obviously a concern. And then in the same week, rugby league player James Graham on one of the rugby league, might have been rugby league 360. He, he's been quoted as saying, um, if, he, if he stopped playing, because he's had a lot of uh, head injuries, and he's the, he was the first uh, current league to donate his brain to science when he, when he finally wraps it all up. And he was saying, if he didn't play, where was the purpose going to be filled in my life? I personally felt like I needed a cause. I thought about what's the meaning of life. Maybe for me, finding the meaning of life was finding something worth dying for. Now, is that a, as, a, as an ex-player, Mitch, sort of what do, you, what do you think of that approach to this whole head injury concussion discussion? Yeah, look, look, I think there's more to life than just playing sport. Um, as we all know, Mick, there's, there's your sporting journey and then there's, the, then there's your life. Hmm. So you can't, you can't play with your life. Like that's just non-negotiable. So in my view... If you've got to give up sport, then then that's one thing, and you move on with your life, and you start to to look at what you can do with your life from um, either a career standpoint or a family standpoint, or travel um, and experience things. I think I think we're far too lost on careers in sport rather than actually mm. looking at um, life as a as a whole. So I think 
you know, that's that's a call for Dane to make as far as what he wants to do with his life. And if it means that he has to give up the game of rugby, well, that doesn't mean he can stop. He has to stop to be involved. I mean, we yeah. just heard from Barty, still coaching, and he's built a career. Um, and Dane's a good guy. He's articulate. Mm. He's intelligent. There's a lot more than just playing the game. And I know people say, oh, you know, it's it's a big part of my life and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I've made a lot of money, but it's not everything. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and that's where, you know, I get a little bit perplexed when guys start talking about many of life and all this stuff. Like, it's it's a game. Mm. Like, just, you can stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can stop playing. It's, it's perfectly okay. You don't have to keep earning money. You can just stop and become a coach or just go down and watch. Yeah. Uh, and become a punter like us, and then you can then you can have an opinion on everything. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I think one thing, if I had any advice to give to any player that suffered multiple concussions and having symptoms, it's just look a little bit beyond the the playing of the game, um, and you'll still find that you'll get just as much satisfaction in doing other things. Yeah, it's a conversation that's not going to go away, and it's great that the conversations being had well Mitch um, maybe that's been good uh, you saw two good games or one really good game and a tight one last week let's hope we get a similar thing for this weekend um, so yep. thanks thanks to you uh, again thanks to the guys that have been sending the feedback in on Facebook and, and Twitter not all it's complimentary but it's always great everyone's entitled their opinion so we, we do welcome it um, if you do want to have your say it's the Facebook page is the Rugby Wrap and Twitter yep. is at rugby underscore rap. and and look it's always good to hear suggestions you know andrew grubb gave us some good names there to potentially get on from the western force mickey and yep you know we're we're not precious about things guys so just just throw your ideas forward um and we'll try and keep it positive big shout out to ross campbell who keeps providing us plenty of feeds from major league rugby that kicks off this weekend yeah um so mickey we did make a a pack that we were going to come back this week and choose our team. Yep. So did you do any research? I did. I had a look at it and I, I, are they called Old Glory? Yeah, Old Glory. It's, it's like a footy. If Captain America was a rugby player, that's the jersey he'd wear. So I'm going for Old Glory. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Gilgronies, I think, mate, because it's, uh, yeah, I like them. And then my second favourite team is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, right. I thought that. I thought uh, they Seawolves, the Seattle Seawolves. I thought Seawolves. their jerseys were a bit Seawolves. boring. A bit boring. Well, yeah, but it was it was a bit sort of blue and green, so it reminded me a bit of Gordon, a bit of uni. Yeah. So I thought they've they probably got the closest synergy to the, the clubs I've been involved with. So Because I, I thought the Yanks would have gone all Hollywood and had some really – because they always got great kit. All uh, the American kids have great kit. They just seem like they've found those at the local well, sports not, store in the bargain bin. So let's go give us 23 of those. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go for the Giltinis where they've got a martini glass. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that one. And then there's the all New Orleans one, which is the Nola Gold, which is white and gold. That was a bit... Uh, you know, there's one that looks like boring. an East, East jersey with the red, the blue with the red and white thin stripes. So. Yeah. So if we pick on jerseys, I'm I'm happy with that, mate. Well, you what what do you got? Old glory. Old, old glory. Yep. Old glory. Yep. So old you're glory. like a Donald Trump type person. Yeah, I'm Captain America. I like to think. <laughs> so yeah, so we're looking forward to Major League Rugby. It's going to be good because the yeah. Japanese games on the weekend were crackers. Yeah. Uh, I watched the um, the NTT guys go up against the Panasonic Wild Knights. TJ Perinara oh, yep. running around for NTT. It was a really good game. Really fast paced. And um, it was enjoyable. Yeah, perfect. So plenty of great rugby on this weekend. All right, thanks, Mitch. Thanks, everyone, for your company and look forward to catching up next time on The Rugby Wrap. <laughs>